Hello and welcome to the Happily Ever After podcast. My name is Mason Sontag and I will be your storyteller today. Today we're going to start on a bit of a longer segment. Um, for the next couple of weeks we're going to be looking at The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. Now I love this fairy tale. I remember my mom reading it to me as a kid and the reason that I love it is because it's a love story. It's not a love story in the sense of a romantic love story, you know, with a prince going off to save a princess, or a princess going off to save a prince, and then them getting married and living happily ever after. No, it's it's about love between two friends, and how love and empathy can cross any sort of boundary. This is technically a story in seven parts. Now, it won't take me seven weeks to read it, but I'll let you know as we switch from part to part. Before we get started, I wanted to mention that I'm recording this podcast in Ithaca, New York, which is a part of the traditional homeland of the Cayuga Nation. All right, are you ready? Here we go. The Snow Queen, a fairy tale in seven stories. Right then, time to start. When we're at the end of the story, we'll know more than we do now, for it has to do with an evil ogre, one of the very worst. One day he was in a really good mood, for he had made a mirror that had the property of reducing everything good and beautiful that was reflected in it into practically nothing. But whatever was fit for nothing and looked bad grew more pronounced and became even worse. The loveliest landscapes looked like the boiled spinach in it, and the best of people turned ugly or stood on their heads with no stomach, their faces becoming so distorted that they were unrecognizable. And if someone had a freckle, you could be sure that it would spread over both their nose and mouth. The ogre found it most amusing. If a good pious thought went through the mind of a person, a grin appeared in the mirror, so that the ogre had to laugh at his ingenious invention. Everyone who went to an ogre school, for he ran such a place, said far and wide that a miracle had taken place. Now, for the first time, one could really see they felt, what the world and people really looked like. They ran around with the mirror, and finally there wasn't a country or a single person that had not been distorted in it. Now they wanted to fly up to heaven itself to make fun of the angels and the good Lord. The higher they flew with the mirror, the louder it laughed, and they could hardly hold on to it. Higher and higher they flew, closer to God and the angels, then the mirror shook so violently as it grinned that it shot out of their hands and crashed down onto the ground, where it shattered into hundreds of millions, billions, and even more pieces. And that was precisely what caused even more misfortune than before. For some of the pieces were scarcely as big as a grain of sand, and these flew all over the world. And wherever they got into people's eyes, they stayed put, and then those people saw everything wrong or only had eyes for what was bad about something. For every speck of the mirror had retained the same power as the whole mirror had possessed. Some people even got a tiny mirror shard in their heart. And that was quite horrible. The heart became like a lump of ice. Some pieces of the mirror were so large that they were used for window panes, but it wasn't worth looking at one's friends through that pain. Others were put in spectacles, and things went badly when people put on those glasses so as to see clearly and be just. The evil ogre laughed till his stomach burst, and that tickled him so wonderfully. But there were even more shards of glass flying around everywhere in the air. Listen now. 
The second story, a little boy and a little girl. In the big city, where there are so many houses and people that there is not enough space for everyone to have a little garden, and where most people for that reason have to make do with flowers and pots, there were two poor children who, nevertheless, had a garden that was a bit bigger than a flower pot. They were not brother and sister, but they were as fond of each other as if they had been. Their parents lived close to each other. They lived in two attics, where the roof from one next-door house met that of the other, and the gutter followed the eaves. A small window faced outwards from each house, and you only needed to step over the gutter to get from one window to the other. Outside the windows, both their parents had a large wooden box where they grew vegetables they needed, as well as a small rose tree. There was one in each box, and they grew so beautifully. The parents came to place the boxes across the gutter, so that they almost reached from one window to the other, and they looked almost exactly like two embarkments of flowers. The long pea stalks hung down over the edges of the boxes, and the rose trees grew long branches, wound themselves round the windows, bent towards each other. It was almost like a triumphant arch of greenery and flowers. Since the boxes were very high, and the children knew that they were not allowed to clamber up onto them, they were often both allowed to climb out to each other and sit on their small stools under the roses, and there they played so marvelously together. In the winter, that pleasure was of course denied to them. The windows were often completely frozen shut, but they would heat small copper coins on the tiled stove. Place a hot coin on the frozen window pane, and it would form so round, perfectly round, a fine peephole, behind which a wonderfully mild eye would peer out, one from each window, that of the little boy and the little girl. His name was Kay, and hers was Gerda. In the summer, they could get together by taking one big step. In the winter, they first had to go down many stairs and up many steps. Outside, the snow was swirling. Oh, there are white bees that are swarming, the old grandmother said. Do they also have a bee queen? The little boy asked, for he knew that among real bees there was such a queen. Oh, they do indeed, the grandmother said. She flies when they are swarming at their thickest. She is the largest of them all, and she never remains still on the ground. She keeps on flying up into the black cloud. On many a winter night, she flies through the city streets and looks in through the windows, and then they freeze over so strangely, as if with flowers. Yes, I've seen that, both the children said, and so they knew it was true. Can the Snow Queen come in here? the little girl asked. Just let her try to come in, the boy said, and I'll put her on the hot stove and then she'll melt. But the grandmother smoothed his hair and told them other stories. One evening, when little Kay was at home and half undressed, he crept up onto his chair by the window and looked out of the small hole. A few snowflakes were drifting down, and one of these, the largest of them, came to lie on the edge of one of the flower boxes. The snowflake grew and grew, and finally it turned into a whole woman, dressed in the finest white gauze that was made up of millions of star-like flakes. She was very fine and beautiful, 
but made of ice, of blinding, twinkling ice. And yet she was alive. Her eyes stared like two bright stars, although there was no calmness or rest in them. She nodded at the window and waved with her hand. The little boy took fright and jumped down from the chair. It was as if a large bird flew past the window. The next day there was a clear frost, and then it began to thaw. The sun shone, everything turned green, the swallows built their nests, the windows were opened, and the small children sat once more in their tiny garden high up in the gutter above all the stories of the houses. The roses bloomed so marvelously that summer, the little girl had learned to rhyme, and it talked of roses. And when she read that, she thought of her own roses, and she sang it for the little boy, and he joined in. The roses are in blossom in the vale. There my dear friend sits without fail. And they held each other by the hand, kissed the roses, and gazed into the bright sunshine. What delightful summer days they were! How wonderful it was to be out there with the fresh rose trees that never seemed as if they would stop blooming. It was when Kay and Gerda sat there looking at a picture book with animals and birds, the clock was just striking five on the great church steeple, that Kay said, Ow! Something stuck in my heart! And now I've something in my eye! The little girl held him by the neck. He blinked his eyes. No, there was nothing to be seen. I think it's out again, he said. But it wasn't for it was one of the specks of glass that came from the mirror, the magic mirror, remember? The horrid glass that made everything large and good that was reflected in it become tiny and horrible. But what was evil and nasty became more obvious, and everything wrong with something was immediately noticeable. A tiny shard had also gone right into poor Kay's heart. Soon his heart would be a lump of ice. It no longer hurt, but it was still there. What are you crying for? he asked. It makes you look ugly. There's nothing the matter with me. Ugh! he suddenly cried out. That rose over there is all worm-eaten. And look, that one's all crooked. They really are such ugly roses. They look like the boxes they're standing in. And he gave the box a hard shove with his foot and broke off the two roses. Kay, what are you doing? the little girl shouted. And when he saw how shocked she was, he pulled another rose off, and then rushed inside from his window, away from sweet little Gerda. When she later came with the picture book, he said that it was only for babies, and if the grandmother told them stories, he always came up with some objection, and if he could, he would follow after her, put a pair of glasses on and speak exactly the way she did, so convincingly that it made people laugh at him. He was soon able to follow everyone in the whole street and mimic them. Everything that was a bit odd about them, and not very fetching, Kay was able to imitate. And then people said, Oh, well, that boy's certainly got a clever head on his shoulders. But it was the piece of glass he had got in his eye. The glass that was lodged in his heart. That was why he teased even little Gerda, who loved him with all her soul. The games he played were so different from before. They were so dictated by reason. One winter's day, when the snowflakes came swirling down, he came with a large burning glass, 
held out the corner of his blue coat and let the snowflakes fall on it. Just look at the glass, Gerda, he said. And every snowflake became much larger and looked like a magnificent flower or a ten-pointed star. It was lovely to look at. See, how ingenious, Kay said. It's much more interesting than real flowers are, and there isn't a single fault on them anywhere. They are perfectly accurate, as long as they don't melt. Shortly afterwards, Kay came along with big gloves and his sledge on his back. She shouted right into Gerda's ear. I've been given permission to go sledging on the great square where the others play. And off he rushed. On the square, the boldest boys often fastened their sledges to farmers' carts and were pulled a very long way. That was great fun. Right in the middle of their game, a large sleigh came along. It was painted completely white, and in it sat someone wrapped in a thick white fur with a thick furry cape. The sleigh went round the square twice, and Kay quickly fastened his small sledge to it, and now he got a ride too. It went faster and faster into the next street. The person driving it looked backwards and nodded to Kay in a friendly way, almost as if they knew each other. Each time Kay wanted to unfasten his small sledge, the person nodded once more, and Kay stayed where he was. They drove straight out of the city gate. Then the snow started to fall so thick and fast that the little boy couldn't see a hand in front of his face while he hurtled along. Then he quickly let go of the string to free himself from the big sleigh, but that didn't help him a bit. His little sledge was still attached and he was traveling as fast as the wind. Then he shouted very loudly, but no one heard him. And the snow whirled past and the sledge flew along. From time to time it gave a leap. It was as if he was traveling over ditches and fences. He was quite frightened. The snowflakes grew larger and larger. Finally, they looked like large white hens. Suddenly, they leapt to one side, and the large sleigh came to a halt. And the person driving it stood up. The great fur and cape were completely of snow. It was a lady, so tall and straight, so gleamingly white. It was the Snow Queen. We've safely arrived, she said. But do you call that freezing? Creep into my bear fur coat. And she placed him in the sleigh with her, wrapped the fur around him. It felt like sinking into a snowdrift. Are you still freezing cold? she asked, and then kissed him on the forehead. Oh, it was colder than ice. It went right to his heart, which had already half turned into a lump of ice. It was as if he was going to die, but only for a moment. Then it felt fine. He could no longer notice the cold around him. My sledge! Don't, don't forget my sledge! He suddenly remembered that now. And it was attached to one of the white hens, and it flew behind the sledge with it on its back. The Snow Queen kissed Kay once more, and then he had forgotten little Gerda and Grandmother and all of them back at home. That's all the kisses you're getting, she said, for otherwise I could kiss you to death. Kay looked at her. She was so beautiful he couldn't imagine a cleverer, lovelier face. Now she didn't seem to be of ice, as she did when she sat outside his window and waved to him. In his eyes, she was perfect. He didn't feel the slightest bit afraid. 
He told her that he could do a mental arithmetic and fractions, knew the area of countries and how many inhabitants, and she smiled the whole time. Then he felt that what he knew wasn't enough, and he looked up into the vast, vast realms of the air, and she flew with him, flew high up onto the black cloud, and the storm roared and raged. It was as if it was singing old songs. They flew over forests and lakes, over seas and lands. Beneath them the cold wind roared, the wolves howled, the snow glittered, the black screeching crows flying above it. But above everything the moon shone so large and bright, and Kay gazed at it all the long wintry night. And during the day, he slept at the Snow Queen's feet. That is the end of part two of seven, and the end of our podcast for today. Do you want to hear how this story ends? Make sure to tune in next week to get part three, maybe part four, who knows. The only way to find out is if you come check it out. If you enjoyed the podcast today, and if you didn't, please leave a rating or a review. It would mean a lot to me, and it would also help me improve the podcast. I want to know how to make it better for you. Is there a story that you might want to hear told? Feel free to reach out to me and ask me. You can reach me on Instagram at happilyeverafter underscore podcast, or by email at happilyeapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next week.